Jesus, the word of God, came down to this world and presented himself to the Jews. And he gathered to himself 12 disciples and he started pouring into them. He started telling them what it was to be a servant. He started preaching and teaching and then he started to use them and then even send them out to go do miracles and works for the Lord. So this is where we leave off in Luke chapter 9 as Jesus is now about to teach his disciples more so he's preparing them for what it is going to cost them to be a, a disciple of Christ. Jesus died for the sins of the world and then he told his disciples before he was crucified that if they treated me this way, they're going to treat you the same. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Uh, today I do have some verses that, as I'm going through my study, Lisette is going to uh, put up on the screens for you. So when I, when I come to those extra references, uh, you guys could just look to the screen. But in Luke chapter 9, I, I do want to read the portion of Scripture that we're going to be studying before we begin to dissect it. So Luke chapter 9, verse 23, it says this. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. So there's a little bit of a format Jesus gives to his disciples. I have written down in my notes, it's desire, deny, die, and follow. Desire, deny, die, and follow. I got that right out of verse 23. Let's look at verse 23. It says, Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So point A, first there's a desire that the Lord puts in a believer's heart. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, teaching them. First of all, he says that anyone can follow after him, but he lays down the sacrifice one must take. See, anyone means anyone. doesn't matter what background you come from, what race, what type of sin you're involved in. Anyone who desires to come after him can come. But there's a process. There is a desire referred to here. That desire, it's the will from the heart, from the mind, from the soul. See, God gave us the capacity for choice. And with this choice, we have desires. Now, contrary to popular opinion, we actually do have control over our desires, over what we want. The Bible teaches that a fruit of the Spirit 
is self-control. Now, because we're fallen humans, the flesh that we struggle with day after day, it does seek to govern our body, spirit, and soul. Do you guys understand that we are made actually uh, what's called a trichotomy? You see this, what we walk around in, this is, I call it my bag of meat. This is holding my soul and my spirit. But both, all three of those are, are, are different in themselves. You see, we all have a soul. Every human being has a soul that lasts forever, whether in eternity in heaven or in eternity in hell. But what the Holy Spirit does in a believer's life is he awakens the spirit of a man. He gives them the new life. You see, we formerly were governed by our, our body appetites. The body was desiring sin, so it governed our soul of our desires. But then when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, now God, when we're in his perfect will, is governing our desire, and then governing our body, what we choose to do, where we choose to go. You see, the Bible teaches that a fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's not until we have our spirits come to life by God that we can begin to govern our desires with the Holy Spirit leading. Point B, we have to deny. That word for deny means to disown utterly, to abstain. The, the Greek word means that someone who is saying that they have no acquaintance or connection with another, to deny completely, to forget, to lose sight of, or interest in one's self. That's self-denial. Remember how Peter boldly denied Jesus Christ in the courtyard of the priest with cursing. He said, I, I don't know the man. And then such zeal in the wrong direction of denying Jesus when he should have been saying, I don't know the old man, my old self. And clinging to the knowledge that he knew Jesus. And this is this kind of self-denial that we need when the old man comes knocking. We need to say, I don't know you. You're dead. I put you in the ground a long time ago. Stop coming. Sometimes we act like sinners, and I like to use the word act because as a child of God, sealed of the Holy Spirit, the Lord knows the work that he's doing in us. He knows and he can see that complete work, that finished product in eternity with him. But here in this life that we live, the reality we live in, we, sometimes we act like sinners. So we need to stop acting like sinners. And start living out our purpose-filled life, what God has already seen in us. Deny ourselves. Jesus gave us that example in the garden. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus, as he's there, sweating profusely, drops of blood, says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. See, even Jesus himself had to deny what the flesh, the body that he lived in wanted. And he did it for us. Point C of, of this process of becoming a disciple is 
to die. And it's again right there in the verse. What's he say? He says, pick up your cross. That's the death to self. And he says this daily. When Jesus calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's a hard thing. Of, of all the, the people who are leaders in this world, when they, they're drawing a crowd to him, to himself or herself, usually the promotion isn't come and die, but Jesus is so opposite of the, what this world offers. Jesus says, come join me. Let the old man die so that you can have a new life. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul carried on this idea, this theme. He said, I beseech, which means I beg you guys. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, Paul was begging them that they would become, what? Living sacrifices. Not a dead sacrifice, but that's a daily where our lives are continually offerings of worship unto God. Asante led us in worship this morning. And I know Asante knows this, that his worship isn't just music. It's his whole life. That our, our time of worship, that's a time when we can literally focus our attention on Jesus and it prepares our heart for the word that he's going to give. But our lives are to be that sweet-smelling aroma, that offering of worship unto the Lord. So worship shouldn't stop when the music ends. Worship should continue when you guys leave this place. And this is daily that Jesus said to pick up your cross daily. You see, oftentimes, as a young believer, even I myself would find myself going up to the altar call a few times when I was a, a, a young believer because I felt I, I need to get saved, which is true. I, did, I didn't need salvation. But what I didn't realize with the, was that the Lord had given me salvation and that there was conviction going on in, in my heart, which was good. And I was coming to the altar and I started to realize that I need to go to the altar daily, in the morning, in the evening, just constantly in a relationship with Jesus. See, that's what we preach here. We don't preach religion. We don't preach a works-based relationship with God where you need to do X, Y, and Z in order to make it into heaven. The Bible teaches a relationship with the creator of the universe available to you and to me who desires to have a relationship with you. As Jesus is again laying out what it is to be a disciple, he says then to follow me. So my point D for this is, is follow. The Greek word for follow, it's to be the same way with, to accompany, especially as a disciple. Because following is discipleship. See, all follow something or someone. Our parents were the first people we probably followed. And we followed their leadership or their lack of it. The word disciple it has 
its relation to the word discipline, meaning training. You see, there requires when you are being trained a submission to the training, right? If you guys have ever been in any type of job or even at school, when a teacher, someone is telling you to do certain things, it's because hopefully they want you to be good at what you're doing. But you have to, in order to follow that, submit to it. To be a disciple of Christ, there needs to be submission to him. Yeah, I, I remember that, that, that call, that follow me. See, I was standing outside of work before I became a Christian. And I was actually high. I was on drugs. But the Lord had been convicting me like Paul. He said, isn't it hard to kick against the goads? I felt the Holy Spirit just piercing my side and just driving me to realize that all the sin that I had allowed into my life had gotten me to that place that I hated, where I just was, was empty and w- without meaning and restless and anxious and tired of it all. And I felt that still small voice saying, follow me. Why are you running? Follow me. That was the call that Jesus gave to his disciples, follow me. In verse 24 of Luke 9, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. See the life referred to here that people try to hold on to is the life that's apart from Christ. One of the topics that we've been studying on our our men's fellowship is man's free will. You see, God created us in his image with a will where we can choose. The capacity to choose, uh, to create, and even to have desires. Isn't it interesting how adults will ask a child, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to accomplish? What, what occupation do you want to work? My little sister, when she was uh, a little girl, not my little sister, but when my sister was a little girl, she was asked that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a Mexican. (laughs) I won't say which sister it was, but she is a Mexican. (laughs) Now, Jesus said that whoever loses that life apart from Christ for the sake of him will actually save it. You see, it's counterintuitive You see, the man apart from Christ, the woman apart from Christ, may believe that they have to hold on to their life on earth in order to fulfill themselves. But it's not until we forfeit the worldly life that we gain the true life in Christ. What is our purpose in life? The Bible teaches in Revelation chapter 4, Verse 11, the scripture reads, For thou, God, has created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So if we were created for God's good pleasure, then the only true purpose, the only true purpose-filled life that we can have is found in Christ. 
See, apart from that, we become so frustrated and so empty seeking to do those things that God never created or intended for us to do. You know, sometimes in our life, we wonder, why do I feel so different sometimes than others? How come I don't fit in? How come when it comes to this topic in my life, I don't get along with everyone? God, why did you make me this way? It reminds me of like, it's like a penguin complaining about his small little wings and and seeking to be like the seagulls which fly about, but he can't, but not realizing that his body is designed so that he can dive to great depths in the sea. You see, when we start to do what we were created for, we have that fulfillment that God gives us. I used to desire to be taller until I found it to be much easier in my trade of air conditioning to maneuver around in the attic space. And I said, God, that's why you made me this, this height. In verse 25, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You see, I ask us, what value does this world have in comparison to your soul. Do you guys remember what Satan used to tempt Jesus in the wilderness? In Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 7, Satan took Jesus and says in verse 5, then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. You see, you'll note that Jesus in this portion of Scripture, he doesn't debate with Satan or argue the point of Satan's authority in the world. And the deal that Satan was offering Jesus was saying, basically, I will give you these nations if you let me be your God, your idol. Now, Jesus' mission was to redeem the lost world, to redeem the world. And Satan is saying, here, look, I'll give you the world if you just bow down to me. Rule over all of it. Take all the luxury, the fame, the power of the world, the success but it would be at the cost of not only Jesus' soul, but the entire world. So what did Jesus respond with? He said, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Going back to the Old Testament, going back to the word of God, going back to the truth of the scripture. So I ask us, what profit is it then? the cost of gaining the whole world in exchange for your soul, it's eternal separation from God. That's what the worst part about hell is no more relationship with Jesus. In verse 26 of Luke, he says, For whomever is ashamed of me and my words Of him, the Son of Man, 
will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. You see, when Christ returns, will he find us ashamed of him and his word? You see, there's a huge push right now against the word of God today. These books, I, I, I'm not going to be so shocked if one day these are banned the way things are looking in our world. Because there's a huge push against the word of God and against the foundation of the Christian faith. Why? Because sin is celebrated. These hot topic buttons, I'm going to bring them up. Abortion, homosexuality, fornication, the family structure being turned upside down, taking even men out of the leader of, of being his family. You see, those who are ashamed of these truths in the Bible, I, I would not want to be in their shoes when Jesus returns. He said his father would be ashamed of him. You see, because God is just, and God is all just, he must punish sin. But here's the hope that the Bible teaches us, that God does not desire to be separated from all of you, from any of you. Why? Because God is all love. Whatever God is, he's 100% of it. If God is good. He's all good. There's no evil in him. If God knows, he's all knowing. If God is love, he's all love. And it, this is called his omnibenevolence. In his omnibenevolence, we see in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible teaches that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God was patient with us. May we be patient with others. Something that I, I realized that if Jesus would have returned before 2011, yeah, 2011, I would have been in a bad spot. I wasn't walking with the Lord before then. And so right now, maybe we're like, Lord, it would just come back. You know, the world is, it's on fire. Lord, just come back today. Come back now, which is a good, you know, motive. But also too, think of all your family members that need to be saved, your friends, your loved ones. So then it's not that we shouldn't pray for his return, but how much more important is it that you are an example, a witness, and a testimony to your friends, your loved ones' lives so that by your love they will know you are Christians? And again, in Ezekiel verse 33, chapter 33, verse 11, it says, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. You see, an all-loving God desires for a person to be in that relationship with him, but he still gives us free will. This is the way it works. 
God is always pouring out his love. God is pouring down his love. What stops that is when we turn away and don't receive his love. We walk away by our own choice, by our own free will. And so though his love would be pouring down on us, we say, you know what? I don't want it. God loves us so dearly that he was willing to allow his own son to die on the cross for our sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We've been learning a lot about redemption. The word redemption, it's a releasing affected by payment of ransom, liberation. It also can mean paid in full. That's what the word redeemed means. And it's not about what you can do to gain God's goodness. It's about what he did to have you as his treasure. That's what redemption is. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, it is finished, paid in full. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And again, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This is redemption. This is why we need the cross. I've shared this personally. For me, uh, the, the title for redeemed the Redeemed Church Fellowship, the reason why I've always loved this idea of redemption is because for me, there's an idea also of failure in a person's life, which in my life there was failure. Perhaps a season of loss, of robbing, so to speak, like an athlete who's injured and put on the bench and they want redemption for themselves. They want to be redeemed so that the former is no longer remembered anymore. See, I needed redemption because I put myself in a bad spot in the, at a point in my life. But by God's grace and his redemption, he's taken those years that the enemy reigned in my life and has removed them far from me, first of all. And has made it so that now I have gained in the newness of life so much more past what was that driving evil in, in my life. You know the, guy, the, the verse in the Bible that says, he who is forgiven much loves much? I find that to be true in believer's life. And I encourage you and I exhort you in this. If the enemy had a time in your life, a season in your life where he used you as his instrument, where he robbed you. And the Lord has now made you holy and, and a clean vessel. Then go much further than where the enemy took you. 
allow the, the, the driving force that was, if you were so wild and crazy in the world, be wild and on fire for Jesus. Allow him to drive you. There's a verse in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, one of the prophets. He says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. You see, God is a God who restores. God is a God who redeems. Where the former is no longer remembered, God creates a new work and a new person. Let's look at verse 27 in Luke chapter 9. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. This next verse that we just read, at, at times it's actually tripped people up. Actually, I had to read and study it a few times as I was going through this myself. Because it's kind of confusing if Jesus is telling his disciples that, that look, there's some of you guys standing here that you're not going to taste death until the kingdom of God comes but all the disciples died. So here's a lesson for us as Bible students. Context, context, context. When you're studying a, a portion of scripture, read the whole portion. Pull from, from other places in scripture also, because if you were to continue reading verses 28 through 31, which I will read to you right now, you would understand that as Jesus was saying that some of them would not taste death, the very next passage talks about Jesus being transfigured on the mount. And the shining glory of the kingdom of God shining through his face. Moses and Elijah, those men who have already gone to be with their heavenly father, are seen by Peter, James, and Paul. Let me read these next few verses and explain. In verse 28, it says, Now it came to pass... About eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, next week, I, I want to dive even deeper on these verses right here, but what is happening as Jesus is transfigured on this mount, he's meeting with Moses and Elijah. These guys were, not only were they literally there, but they were also examples of the law and the prophets. Moses was given the Ten Commandments. Elijah, a prophet, used mightily of God. And they're there and they're talking with Jesus. And what are they re re speaking with him on? His crucifixion. What Jesus is about to do. Jesus is making his way to be crucified for the sins of the world. 
And as he's doing this, he's preparing his disciples. He's teaching them lessons on discipleship, on what it is to be a son of God, daughters of God, what we all are. So the lesson this morning is to follow after Jesus, to become a disciple, to deny yourself, to die to yourself, to take up your cross daily and follow after him. May it be said so in our life that when people see us, that they know that we're Christians by our love for one another. And one day, before the throne, may our Heavenly Father look at us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to get closer with you, Lord. I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would lead us, Father, to be disciples of Jesus. I want to ask now, for, as Asante is going to lead us in a, in a song of worship, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to go deeper, if the Holy Spirit is someone you're not familiar with, if Jesus is someone who is not King, Savior, and Lord of your life, if you would like to receive Jesus this morning into your heart, to be in a relationship with him. As Asante is playing this worship song, just go ahead and, and raise your hand and we're going to pray with you. need that touch of the Holy Spirit to empower you to be to go deeper in your discipleship with Christ if that's you this morning just stand to your feet and Father I pray for those who are standing here now I pray, Lord, that 
your truth, Lord, would, would be their foundation, Father, that Jesus would be their rock, that they wouldn't be swayed by their own emotions, Father, but that their commitment to you, Father, would be lived out. May your Holy Spirit empower them to do so. And I pray, Father, that you would give them strength to be your disciple, to deny themselves, to take up their cross, to follow after you. We thank you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's all stand. May you guys be blessed this week. I'm going to have Asante lead us in a, our last song of worship and then close us out with, uh, with some prayer.
shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power in love as we sing holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to Holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy I want to see One last time, holy Holy, holy, holy Holy, holy, holy Lord Holy, holy, holy I want to see God bless you guys. Amen. Men, we'll see you Friday night.